This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you love underground music and movies, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed shirts, vinyl, CDs, and more. Go to portlanddistro.com. Plug in the discount code MikeHill666 for 15% off at portlanddistro.com. This week we have Jade Willow, adult entertainer, visual artist, podcaster, and curator of all things macabre. A couple weeks ago I was on her podcast, Shedding the Skin, and I felt like we were in the middle of a really cool conversation and uh, our time ran out, so I thought it'd be really cool to have her on Everything Went Black. I just want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, please, if you like the show, be sure to leave a review and a rating. Share it with your friends. And I also want to make a brief announcement that sometime at the end of the summer or early fall, I'm going to be launching a Patreon. Um, I'm working on some bonus content. Most of the stuff that I have is a lot of storytelling stuff, uh, you know, sort of uh, expositions about certain subjects. And a couple of uh, surprise interviews uh, that I have in the works that um, I'm sure you guys will be really stoked about. Let me know. Hit me up on any of the social media channels. Or you can hit me up at mike.hill at everythingwentblackmedia.com. Good day, everyone. It's time for an Everything Went Black episode. And uh, I'd like you guys to welcome Jade Willow. I was recently on her podcast, Shedding the Skin. And uh, at the end of that episode, it felt like we were uh, touching on to some other really cool stuff regarding horror. And as you guys all know, uh, since I also co-host Necromaniacs, I'm uh, quite fond of horror. So I figured we would continue the, the uh, conversation on this episode. And then also talk about Jade's, uh, you know, her site, her fans only account, her work and all this other stuff. So good morning, Jade. How are you? Good morning, Mike. I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I felt like we got cut short on your show. Yeah, well, I think we had like a like an hour time limit and I just wanted to be like mindful of your your schedule. But um, we said we would continue it. So here we are. <laughs> I appreciate that because uh, some people um, don't aren't really uh, mindful of things like that at times. Yeah, well, I mean, you're busy. You know what I mean? Like you have a job. You're an artist. I'm an artist. We got shit going on. That's why I generally try to ask guests ahead of time, like how much uh, time they're willing to give me or able to give me and just kind of gauge it off of that. Awesome. So we were talking about horror. And um, is that something that I noticed uh, just from your Instagram account that you seem to be uh, into that kind of stuff? And uh, so what's the story? What kind of horror stuff do you like? Well, I think every metalhead's into horror, dude. Well, no, actually, <laughs> I think that's, that's a, safe to say. That's a very good question. I mean, one of the things I ask myself a lot is, uh, what, why are, why am I, and why are people into extreme music? Like, what's, what's the fascination with, uh, with dark topics and dark music and dark, you know, artwork and things like that? I think I had asked you something similar when we were on my show, but I think it's the, and, and you had mentioned something like this. It's the visual equivalent of our music. It, it's something that people that are into extreme stuff could appreciate. Of course, we're going to appreciate blood and horror and guts if we're into like this dark, brutal fucking death metal, black metal type of music. You know what I mean? Sure. And I think that just stems from, well, if, if we want to get deep into it, it just stems from coming 
probably from a place of like trauma and heartache and and struggle feeling like an outcast feeling like a misfit for some reason that gives us a different perspective into the beauty of the macabre i would say yeah that's a that's a good answer because i a lot of times i um you know, I, I ponder this too. I'm like, well, you know, why, why, why do I? Why don't I like comedies? You know, why, uh, why all this doom and gloom and depression and darkness and all this other stuff? Like, why can't I just listen to you know some bubblegum music and all that sort of business? You know. Yeah, same here. I mean, I went through my bubblegum music phase when I was a young child and didn't know any better and didn't develop any personal taste yet. <laughs> yeah. I used to listen to Spice Girls. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I never got That was a long time that. ago, though. <laughs> I remember they had a comic book. I don't know if you, uh, you ever saw that. Spice Girls had a comic book? Yeah, they, of course. They had everything. They had every everything what? you could possibly sell to somebody they had. Oh, my God. No, I didn't know that. That's so funny. I was I was too young, I'm sure. I, I had, like, Barbie dolls, so I was sure. a little, little kid. Once I was innocent. So uh, what what films in the horror genre interest you? Oh, well, a lot of them, a lot of them. I guess if I had to pick like my favorite, I'd pick the Hellraiser movies. Big fan of Hellraiser. Um, also a big fan just of, of Clive Barker in general, Wes Craven, all that good 80s horror shit. And then more recently, um, I think we, we had mentioned we were going to talk about stuff like Sador. Oh, yeah, that was yeah fucking excellent film i like stuff that's very like occult oriented it's hard to find new movies nowadays that that i could be a big fan of but that film was done fucking excellently and so oh and another one that I, i'm a big fan of is um the ritual i don't oh, know yeah. if you've seen that on netflix i i oh, uh, i am um not only am i a fan of that film i'm a huge fan of adam neville the guy who wrote the book the ritual you know, I never got around to reading the book. Is it good? It's great. It's amazing. It's, I'm uh, sure it's better than the film. That's what they always say. Well, I mean, the, you know, if you have to look at the, th the things as two different entities, and um, I enjoyed the film, and it is a little bit unfair to compare a film to a book because in reality, I would rather watch, if I read a book and I watch a film about the book, I would rather the film be more influenced by the book than it be like a beat you know, beat for beat ad adaptation, you know? Right. Right. You know, and so they yeah, are and two different things, but you know, it's the same, it's the same story, but, but they operate yeah. differently, you know? Right. There's only so much you can visually translate in the span of an hour or an hour and a half. So that's understandable. One of, one of my um, criticisms of the outsider, uh, you know, the HBO serialization of uh, the Stephen King book is that it, follows the story too much in my opinion you know i um i read the book when it came out and um you know there's certain things i'm like yeah this is great i wish i could enjoy it more because i know what's happening you know <laughs> and that's uh that's one of the perils i guess you uh hmm. you face you know so you felt like it was a bit too predictable well it was yeah it's you know i i, I like the storyline to depart a little bit you know what i mean and um you know, for example, uh, like the the Watchmen series they did, it's a continuation of uh, you know what happened in the comic book, and I think it kind of discounts the first version of the movie, 
And I, I like that. I like when, especially if you're, you know, like I read, I read the book, I read The Watchman, I read The Outsider, I read The Ritual. And the, the treatment of the storyline, I think uh, I would rather it be influenced by as opposed to like, a, like a, a retelling of the story just on film. You know, and sometimes that works for me, but sometimes I'd rather get a little bit more where I don't feel like, okay, I know that this guy dies or something. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. But there are there are these um, these new films, like you mentioned Seder, and uh, I, I actually influenced, uh, influenced, I interviewed, <laughs> I inf- interviewed the filmmaker about that on uh, one oh, of the Oh, yeah, Necro I episodes. listened to that. Yeah, and I, I was blown away that the dude... Like, you, you watch the movie, and you're just like, oh, yeah, this guy is like, you know, this is what he's into. The guy wasn't into any of that stuff. He wasn't into weird fiction or Lovecraft or even, like, he did the score, and it sounds like this, you know, ambient, dark ambient, you know, sort of music. But he doesn't even listen to that kind of music. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Yeah, that is really peculiar. I was actually really fascinated by the fact that he did fucking everything. Because that's like the kind of person that I am. I'm yeah. learning like video editing and photography and all these different types of skills. And I'd want to be like my own actor and director. And so it's like to see someone actually do that, even though it took him how many years? It took him a long time. It did. It did. And I, I'm also always interested in those stories about people that have these like missions that they go on. It yeah. Took, yeah, it was like, I, it, I think, eight years or something to make that movie. That shit's crazy, man. But, I mean, it pays off in the end. Yeah, At the end, he could say, I did fucking everything. This is my movie. I think he even made the costumes, right? Yes. I mean, it's... That's the, so you know, cool. He built a set and all this stuff. It's it's pretty crazy. That's fucking sick, man. Actually, I want. I would like to do... I would like to have a similar costume to that in the future when I'm going to be doing some music stuff with my, uh, my cello that I bought once I learned how to play it properly. Um, I want to do like this, this primal kind of like, a not, not unlike Wardruna and Heilong and stuff like that, but more just raw and gritty and probably more black metal influenced. But anyway, it'd be cool to have a fucking like a deer skull, situation going on you know it's funny you mentioned that uh you know with the cello and have you heard uh vermapire which is uh dwids uh the guy from integrity his he has a project that he makes uh where, where he the music is made from all homemade equipment that he has Ooh, no i haven't yeah it's, it, it's what you mentioned sort of maybe think you'd be interested in that it's um you know he has like uh you know, like a detuned piano. He's got some setup that he uses for, for uh, percussion. And um, it's influenced by like that uh, Les Légions Noir, that um, French, like there's like that, you know, like Vlad Tepe's, like all these super raw, obscure mm. French bands. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of in that vein. And uh, but it's all done with like his own instruments that he made or had made or welded together and stuff so you might be interested in that that sounds pretty cool what is it called again uh it's called vermapire vermapire i'm gonna have to look that up yeah yeah definitely i mean i'm sure if you go to dwidhelion.com there's probably links to it you know yeah so yeah. um I, fa- I started you and i met on instagram 
which is like a weird that's that's so telling of our society in some ways isn't it <laughs> well yeah i mean that's how that's how you meet people nowadays is through social media you don't actually meet them in person god forbid well the funny thing <laughs> is like you, you i was driving back from the gym the other night and i was um listening to um into the necrosphere have you checked out that podcast yeah, yeah, we talked about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, that's how I found I found Jackie through you. Yeah, right. I wanted to establish that here that we all know Jackie. Okay. Oh yeah. So I'm like, man, Jackie's cool. You know, I, I yeah, he's, he's been a on, cool guy. Yeah, he's been on this show. I've been on his his Into the Necrosphere podcast a bunch of times. We are you know we always going back and forth on Facebook Messenger about like bands and you know stuff like that and. And I was like, man, that, what a cool guy, man. But I've never fucking met the dude in, in person. You well, know? he's all the way in London. Yeah, he's, in, he's over in the UK. But I mean, I, I, yeah, I, go, I go to Europe all, not, not as much as I, well, obviously. I'm, I'm in Europe every year for the most part. You know what I mean? Or I, used to, mm -hmm. or I will be again at some point. Man, this whole pandemic thing's got me fucked up. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, dude. Yeah, because touring and going overseas that was how i would catch up with everybody like i i would have mm -hmm. met him by now at this point right right you know? and um you know and then you and i uh you know we we you know we correspond you know via in social media channels and um and i was i was tripping out on that because i'm just like yeah there's all these people that are you know in in, in my life in some way but i have never physically put my eyes on them. I've never occupied the same temporal space that they have. And um, so, yeah, I just, I don't know. That stuff trips me out sometimes. Like, what do you, what do you have any thoughts on that? Because we are moving into this weird Matrix-like world. Yeah, we really are. I mean, I guess I'm used to it, par partially because I'm really an introvert, and which is funny because of all the things that I do. <laughs> But um, it's very rare that I actually go out and meet anyone of interest. Um, it's hard for me to find people that I can actually connect with on a local level. Right now I'm in fucking Ohio and it's like there's I think there's a little bit of a death metal scene, but I haven't met like any black metal people, which is mainly what I'm into. Um, so I just I have a lot of online friends. I, I wish I could say they were nearby and we were hanging out, but. I'm ge I'm generally just a solo person, and everybody that I know is scattered across the globe somewhere, unfortunately. So I'm I'm used to not meeting the people that I that I would consider to be friends, but I'd like to be able to change that. Hopefully, in the near future, when everything goes back to some semblance of normalcy, and uh, I actually kind of made it a goal to try and be more social, especially after the pandemic, because we were so isolated, and it definitely took a toll on my mental health as well as everyone else's you know i mean and you're not that far you're you're in new jersey maybe we can meet sometime and actually like do a show face to face or just hang out or something that'd be cool well yeah that's i mean i, I that's the thing like for me without the pandemic uh i'm out there all the time traveling you know like i i would you know one year i was in san francisco five times you know what i mean like in yeah. a 12 month span i get out there into the world normally you know Tour plans got canceled in 2020, which means that a huge chunk of my social activity 
got just eliminated because that's how I would see people on the road. You know, I'd go to like California, I'd run into my friends in LA, I'd see my friends in San Francisco, um, got friends in San Diego, Chicago, everywhere. You know, I got mm-hmm. friends all over the, you know, all over the world, really. And the, I've met most of these people in person. And then social media has allowed me to maintain my friendships with them. And or I should say the digital world has allowed me to, you know, maintain friendships, you know, between, you know, mobile technology and, and all that sort of jazz. And I guess I really did miss the physical contact. And um, I mean, we talked about this on your show, like the mental impact and the emotional impact of that, too. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so it's a bit of an adjustment the other way around for me. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it becomes like real abstract. Like when you have a social connection with somebody virtually, when there's like a, um, you know, through digital technology, you become friends with somebody without actually meeting them in person, you know? And that's like, uh, I'm processing all of this stuff. And, you know, the last like 15 months or so, uh, coupled with all these things that have happened, have, have really sort of, you know, forced me into this new realm where that has to become somewhat normal and um so i guess what you're saying is that you're you're you know you're you're pretty comfortable with all that that stuff right yeah well i'm also not a touring musician so that wasn't the norm for me right 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 yeah so yeah i mean i i I imagine at this point you know traveling through ohio constantly like on the road i mean that's you and i probably would have met at some point you know at a show or whatever we would have set up some kind of hey let's i'm in you know cleveland or whatever you know and that's that's kind of like uh, the normal world for me, I guess. You know, and it's, just, mm-hmm. it's been it's been rough. You know, I know. Soon, hopefully soon. Yeah. So it's been way y- too fucking long. Your um your podcast that I was recently a guest on that, and uh, what started that with you? How did you uh, get into doing that? Well, uh, for those of you that don't know, I'm the host for Shedding Skin podcast, and it's about mental health mainly but we talk about other things too that musicians would be passionate about or just feel comfortable sharing or and discussing but uh what brought it about was the series of all the fucking suicides that happened a few years ago within the music industry um the very first one was with jill janice which i think was about four years ago from huntress and even though i was never a fan of huntress's music um it just, it really, it made me so sad. It made me so sad because she seemed like such a genuinely kind-hearted person. And she was also a witch and, you know, she was a metal vocalist. So she was a sister and it just really broke my heart to see all these musicians talking about how, oh, there needs to be more mental health awareness. Um, sorry, my dog. Um, so I just wanted to create a platform where I could do that. I, I really felt like like we needed it. And then I think, um, who was it? Chester Bennington and then Chris Cornell. It's just like these people were dropping like flies. I know they're not exactly metal, but, you know, they still created a huge impact for a lot of people. And I just feel like it's just not taken seriously. It's just not taken seriously. We, I, th- I don't know if we had mentioned it on our episode, but when you have a physical sickness 
um, some type of ailment, say you have cancer or a broken leg, people take that seriously. You know, they, they give you all the sympathy, they give you all the support, but there's this huge stigma against mental health and opening up about it. You know, if you tell somebody that you have depression, if you tell somebody that you're suicidal, it's, it's something that you're supposed to be ashamed of. It's something that you're supposed to keep to yourself and, and keep it as a secret, which in the end fucking makes you want to die even more. You know what I mean? Cause you need to be able to talk about it. You need to be able to be open about it. And I've struggled with depression all of my fucking life. So it's just something that I feel really passionate about. So I, I've, I've been reaching out to musicians that are open about their struggles with it in, in the hopes to raise awareness and hopefully help people out that feel like they're alone because they're not. Yeah, definitely. There's, um, in the last, like, I would say the last decade or so, there's, I think that mental health has become taken more of a forefront in, in overall health, you know, or at least the trends might've started about 10 years ago, I think, you know, back in the days when I was a kid, you know, no, you know, going into therapy, uh, no one put any weight on that, you know, and, and just society back then too was like, you know, men are supposed to be this way. Women are supposed to be that way. Um, you know, there was like the strong silent type, like motif for, for masculinity and all that sort of stuff. You're not supposed to talk about your feelings and all that. And, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, you know, luck, luckily that's all changed. And, uh, I think that, men particularly have become more comfortable talking about their feelings, you know, and how, how they, uh, emotion, their emotional states. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I think that some people go off into this dark wilderness if they spend too much time alone and they're not able to talk about their feelings. And I mean, it's good to have just a platform too, you know, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty upfront about the, about going to therapy and, you know, talk therapy and stuff like that. And I think that, um, you know, if, if people have these thoughts or these feelings or, or, or even just want to unload some stuff that, that going into a therapy situation is probably the, the first step towards, you know, securing your mental health. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I was, um, I was surprised when you had mentioned that on the show because I I wasn't aware that you were that you go to therapy, which is something that I everybody needs to do. Honestly, we all have some baggage that we need to unload and work on, and I'm I'm constantly working on self improvement and you know different ways on how to be a better person. So I definitely think that that's something that could be immensely beneficial to a lot of people. Um, we just got to break the the stigma that surrounds that, you know. And like you're saying, it's it's gotten a lot better, but it's it's definitely still there, especially for men. So thank you again for being open about that. Ironically, I think that uh, one of the biggest uh, things that or sort of media, you know, art things that have opened up people to therapy has been uh, the Sopranos show from the, on HBO, actually. You know, where you have like, I know it sounds, it's old or whatever, but I think a lot of people started seeing therapy differently when, when they put it in the context of a show like that, you know, and... Uh, you know, some people didn't even know what it was all about. Like, you know, that show appealed to a, a very broad swath of people. And, you know, I know even within my family, you know, my family used to watch that show and they were just like, oh, that's what you do in therapy. You know, you, you sit down and just talk like that. 
you know, they, they thought that the, if you went into therapy that there was something wrong with you, that you were like crazy or, you know, you, you're mentally weak or something, you know. And, um, you know, ironically, a show like that, I think really in a very populist sort of way, paved the way for people being more open to doing that kind of stuff. You know, I actually never got around to watching that. It just never was something that I was interested in. So wasn't it about gangsters or something? It was, but a large component of that was uh, the crime family boss, Tony Soprano, Mm -hmm. played by the late uh, James Gandolfini, was in therapy. So every episode, there'd be a section where he would be in with his therapist. And so it was uncovering emotional aspects of his life that, you know, sort of giving him like a magnifying glass to look at who he is as a person. And that was like a huge part of the show. And, um, yeah, I I mean, I, I love crime shit like that, you know, like gangster stuff and, you know, movies about the mafia and all that. But, um, you know, I, I didn't. And here you go. I avoided watching that show. I not avoided it, but I, I didn't think I'd be interested in it because I thought it was like a comedy. Oh, you know, he's in therapy. You know what I mean? It's like, who the hell wants to watch? Like, you know, I want to watch a guy like, you know, murder people and, you know, do crime. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> but little by little, people were like, oh, you should watch this, man. It's cool. I checked it out and it contextualized the, the type of person that he is. The, the, the worldview that he has and by talking, going into talk therapy, reevaluating who he was as a person. I mean, ultimately, you see the character change. It doesn't change who he is, but it, also, but it makes him aware of some of the, you know, the periods of his life. There's, and they cover a lot of things. He, you know, they get, he's suicidal at some point. They put him on like uh, antidepressants. You know, it's, um, it kind of runs... It's like a really smart show is what I'm trying to say, I guess. It's like a very um, creatively, uh, you know, very deep show, in my opinion. And, um, I mean, you know, whatever. It's, it came out in the late 90s. But uh, it's still really relevant, especially now we're talking about, you know, mental health and therapy and all that. I think that really opened a lot of, like, your average person's eyes to what actually goes on in a therapy session. Yeah. Well, that's fucking awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have recommend. to check that out sometime. I definitely recommend it. Definitely. You know. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So some of the other things, um, you, you have a, a like a fans only site or is it fans only, only fans, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's, and, called, uh, it's called only fans. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I got to be honest. Like I'm not, you know, I mean, I look it's, at porn just like everyone else, but um, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I also... I don't know. It's just not part of my, uh, my, my, the rounds I make in the world. You know what I mean? I'm like adjacent to all that stuff. Oh, it's all good. Yeah. So you're, you're really the first, um, adult, uh, you know, sort of, uh, artist, I guess that I've had on the show. So, um, yeah, well, tell us about like all that stuff, you know, how'd you get into that? You know, what you're, some of the trial, I know that you and I've talked about some of the, um, difficulties you've had. And, um, so yeah, let's get into that. Um, well, it's a, subscri- a subscription-based service, kind of like a Patreon, and you don't have to use it for porn. You could use it for anything. It just ended up being a platform for porn because it was legal, and I think a lot of people were already doing it anyway. And then I think most chicks use it maybe just to sell nudes 
So I started off doing that just to make some side cash. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And um, I've overall, I've had a really good experience with it. Most of the people that are that are subscribed to me are people that I would consider to be like online friends. Um, it's basically a good way to support a small business. I, I really don't understand why it gets so much hate. It really does. And it's just it's bullshit because. I mean, you'll go ahead and jerk off to Pornhub for free, but you won't. <laughs> you won't pay 10 bucks to to help your homegirl out you know what i mean and um I, I just don't understand the stigma against female sex workers specifically because if you're a male porn star then it's like oh fuck yeah you're getting all this pussy fucking <laughs> hell you you know but if you're a chick who's enjoying herself it's like oh there's all this slut shame that you get and I just think it's it's so incredibly hypocritical and I just don't understand it because it's it's a hustle. It really is a hustle. People are like, oh, it's so easy. You just have to post pictures of your ass and you make all this money. No, you have to. It's basically like doing YouTube stuff, but sexy. You know what I mean? Like there's video editing. There's a million different pictures that you have to take. You have to take time for makeup, hair, uh, set up your your little scene or whatever. And like what just because i'm enjoying myself while i'm working it's supposed to be looked down upon you know what i mean it's it's bullshit well i think um <clears throat> having free porn uh is is uh that's only uh that's like um a more recent in in the big picture of media uh occurrence cuz back in the old days you know when everyone had to rent you know porno dvds right people did pay <clears throat> you had to go into that curtained off area in the video store you know make sure that no one's no one's you know no one can see you there's no one you know there and that's all right you, I know, slip, right? you, you look around in. your shoulder yeah you gotta all right no one's paying attention let me slip into the back room here with the curtains yeah and um you know you and then you'd have a limited selection of stuff and then you'd have to like go up and rent it and feel ashamed of yourself hopefully you know. <laughs> and um so yeah it cost you money and um, I don't know. I think I think actually the rentals on porno DVDs and VHSs were more money than the other ones. So. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. So that that yeah. used to be the way things were done, and then I don't know, like circa what, two thousand two or something, is when you were able to actually start streaming stuff for free, like on the on the internet, or the late nineties maybe. And, uh, you know, that's only been like a couple of decades. So, you know, people have grown accustomed to the free nature of this stuff. So. Right. Like music. Yeah. And, and I guess that's the parallel I'm trying to trying to, you know, connect these two things where because they're both, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't judge anyone for what they do. It's I'm, I'm a, I got a pretty Luciferian like point of view on life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, it's, uh, you know, you're in a band. You know, you play your music, you're making records, okay? Now, you know, you can listen to everything for free. You can exploit a band's entire back catalog for free. And no one understands that, okay, well, to make these uh, recordings, you have to spend, you know, like a whole industry is going down because people are, are listening to stuff for free. Because, yeah. you know, the people that record music are having to take less money. You're spending... You're breaking up these projects. Oh, I'm going to do some of this in our practice space. I'm going to bring some of this to the studio and you mix it. So I, I understand where you're coming from. If this is like the kind of industry 
if the path that you've chosen is this, then if you're producing something quality, then people should be, be open to, to, they shouldn't be hung up on paying for it, you know what I mean, in some form. You know, right, right. Now, now the the hatred and criticism is it because it's not free that pe- that you're asking for money, or is it the actual material that people are critical of? I think a lot of it has to do with the free aspect. I think a, a lot of men are just really entitled to fucking free porn, and they're like, "Oh, I'm not gonna fucking pay for porn when I could just watch it for free." Like that's not the point. The point is to have exclusive content from somebody that you've always wanted to see that content from or somebody that you've had a crush on for a long time and want to have more engagement with, you know what I mean? It's, it's more personal, you know, you get to, you get to message people, ask them if you want to, you don't have to, you know? Um, but that's a service that you can offer. Um, sometimes I'll just randomly message people with like a picture or something, ask them how their day's going. And, um, I used to do like dirty talk stuff, but I just, I just, didn't feel like doing it anymore so that's not a service I offer anymore you literally can do whatever you want to do like you are your own boss you don't have to do anything that you're not comfortable doing which is what I love about it which is more than I can say about the porn industry because lord knows all these poor little 18 year old girls that don't fucking know any better are totally being taken advantage of so you could fucking jerk off for free why not support an adult who knows what they're doing and is trying to do a side hustle in the comfort of her own home, <laughs> you know what I mean? And having a good time doing it. Like, I, I just don't understand what the problem is. Well, you touched on a very uh, interesting subject because, you know, my understanding um, of, of the porn industry, and I, I remember back in, when I was in college, I wrote a paper about uh, Linda Lovelace. So I did quite a bit of research on the old porn industry. <clears throat> and yeah, drugs, exploitation, abuse, you know, it's a male-dominated world for the most part. Uh, yeah, I mean, exclusively until almost, I would say, like the Burning Angel stuff might have been some of the first, you know, female-run porn. Mm-hmm. You know, so in a way, it's like if you know, you you, you know, people are big on like uh, you know how you're spending your money and and you know, like financially backing something that's more in line with your ideologies. Like, I guess that's all part of it, too, where it's like, well, if you're, you know, going to I mean, I don't know what some of the main old school like companies were. But like if you're if you're going to like back one of these companies, <clears throat> most likely you're backing some kind of abuse or exploitation in some way, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And, and if you're doing going independent, then you're pretty much it's a direct, you know, support system where you're you're dealing directly with the creator. Exactly. Yeah. And actually, a lot of porn stars have been moving over to OnlyFans for that specific reason. My first I first became aware of that when um, I noticed that and this this is another totally other conversation that there's a few MMA fighters like female women MMA fighters that I, I, um, I've read about having their own sites like pay sites. I mean, that speaks to a whole other exploitation about how fighters don't make enough money to really actually live, you know, and, uh, you know, how the UFC is like exploiting everyone. And that, that's a whole other, you know, I, I, I realize that most people that listen to this don't really uh, follow MMA. So I'm not going to go too deeply into it. But uh, but that's when I was like, oh, wow, like that's um, unfortunate, but 
part then my second thought was like, well, you know, if that's what uh, someone wants to do, that that's and they that's what they're enjoying. It's like, you know, that that's all good. So that, and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I started seeing that it was actually this this industry that's going on. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, not something that you should do if you don't want to do it. You know what I mean? Like, I I wouldn't encourage very young girls to do it because you do have to think about long term consequences. Um, like, if you're planning on getting some type of, I don't know, paralegal job, they probably won't hire you because they're going to discriminate against you having an OnlyFans, which sucks, but it's a reality, you know? Um, but personally for me, there's nothing, I want to live the life that I want to live and I'm going to do what I want to do. And there's not going to be any career walls blocking me from doing what I want to do. So I'd rather be able to work from home. I just want to be an entrepreneur and be, um, self-employed. So I'd rather just work from home, be able to dress sexy, do stuff that's fun, enjoy myself, put on some music, throw on a sexy outfit. And I just, I don't feel ashamed about it. I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way that it's turned out so far. As uh, time goes by and, um, you know, there, there seems to be this, um, very deliberate move towards tolerance in our society. Uh, which, you know, has it, been a long time coming, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, that concept I support 100%. You know, I, I think that anyone should be able to express themselves to the fullest extent, however they want. You know, dress, identify themselves with whatever, you know, gender. That's all, that's great. You know, I think that that's, uh, you know, part of being human and people should be able to express themselves. I don't get behind the cancel culture aspect of that. That's like, you know, like I, I always I always say that people people tend to ruin ruin the best things in some ways, you know, and I think the mm -hmm. cancel culture stuff has gotten kind of out of hand. But the point I'm trying to bring up is as time goes by and this environment of tolerance uh, hopefully takes hold with people, do you think that's going to be like having having a, a site, a, a fans only site is uh, do you think something like that? say 10 years from now, would really play into uh, having someone discriminate against you? Like, do you see a move towards that being more socially acceptable? Be, be, um, be honest about this, because like, I, I, I'm, I'm really interested to see what your perspective is on it. Well, I, I mean, I would like it to be, personally. You would think that would be the direction that we're moving in, but, I mean, we've we've experienced all this spikes in, in getting zucked on Facebook, as they call it. Um, a lot of sex workers are being attacked on social media for trying to promote their, their website. Like um, Instagram has threatened to delete me so many fucking times. They probably will at some point. Um, and Facebook had banned me for <laughs> several, several months at a time because I posted sexy pictures and that only became a problem once OnlyFans started taking off and people realized you were able to monetize it, I guess, which I still don't understand the hate towards, but okay. I guess as long as the sex industry is being run by males, it's totally fine. But the, one, the time that women try to take autonomy for themselves and be their own boss is not okay. Like, I, I just don't get that. Um, and then I know they're trying to implement some rules now on OnlyFans where they're going to try to kick off not necessarily 
nudes, but I think um, porn porn content. And they're going to try to do something with celebrities. Like, um, excuse me for a moment. Let me gather my thoughts here. They're going to focus more on ad revenue through celebrity-based profiles as opposed to gaining the revenue that they're gaining now from sex workers, which is absolutely fucking ridiculous because we built that fucking website and made them all their money, and now they're going to fucking try to kick us off because I think Mike Tyson or somebody, or was it Mayweather? Floyd Mayweather has an account, and oh, they realize they can make all sorts of money through ads. So they're trying to push sex workers out, which I think is just going to backfire because that's the whole reason people signed up to that fucking website in the first place. Like, nobody gives a shit about these guys doing stuff at home unless they're jerking off, you know? <laughs> I mean, that, maybe that's it. Who knows? I mean, you know, Floyd, you know, jerking off. I don't know. I mean, maybe there's an audience for that, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, I would like, I hope in the future people will be more tolerant. Like that should be the direction that we're moving in, but it seems to be regressing for some reason. And I'm hoping once all these like old people die out, maybe a new, a new way of living can, uh, can happen. You know, it's funny that you say that like the boomer generation dropping dead might help our society, which I also, <laughs> I believe, you know, I'm, I'm over that mindset too in some ways. But I got to say, man, I, I see some super extreme ignorance amongst like younger people that probably should know better and become a little bit more hip to what actually is going on in society. Oh, yeah. You know? It's like I see some real narrow minds, especially now. I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, I love New Jersey. I, I didn't grow up out here. I grew up in New York, but I, I like it out here. It's quiet. You know, it's like people, you know, leave me alone for the most part. I can do what I want to do. I, you know, now that I'm able to go out and do things, I can go into the city pretty easily. But, you know, I see, I see a lot of people that, um, you know, younger people that, that just don't get it, man. You know, and I'm like, it's because they, maybe they grow up in these like small towns and that's all they know is this conservative mindset. But uh, I, I do, I, I hope, you know, I hope that a lot of this is just dinosaur shit at some point. Yeah, no one, it's going to just yeah. be like, you're, you're just so out of step with everything else that you just need to update your software and figure out what the new thing is, you know? Yeah, I hope so too. I hope so too. But you're right. There's a there's plenty. You know, there's going to be idiots in every generation. We we can't expect perfection. I I I definitely talking to you about all this stuff definitely made me see the parallels between the music industry too. I mean, you know, we've had conversations about this off the air and whatever. And I, I started thinking more about like you know like the the fans only sites. I mean, I keep getting it backwards, don't I? Is it fans only or only fans? It's only fans. Only fans. <laughs> it's okay. It's yeah, kind of only The only fans <laughs> sites are almost like Bandcamp, really, in some ways. Yes. It's basically yes, the same Hill. thing. Yes. Yeah, see? You know, I, I get things right every now and then. Let me just... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's Bandcamp for, uh, you know... For, for sex workers. For sex workers. And, yeah. Um, yeah, Bandcamp, you, know, you put out, you make a record you know, recording seven inches, whatever, you put it out, sell t-shirts. You can have, you know, one-to-one uh, -one contact with your with people who like your music and all that sort of stuff. And uh, 
you control the whole thing and Bandcamp takes like their they you know they wet their beak in whatever you got going on and it's all good and um I feel like that's basically the system that you're describing yes that is so I can't believe I didn't think about that you were so right I'm gonna make a Facebook post about that see there you go thank you Mike yeah, of course <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically you're you're supporting an independent artist. I mean, you don't have to call us artists, but I try to be artistic with everything that I do. I mean, I am an artist anyway, so I got that flair, you know. Well, I mean, that's um you know, it it's it's all of its creativity really. You know, I think as as I've gotten older, I start seeing almost creativity in most things. If you take if you take a void of nothingness, and you put something in that space, then you're actually creating. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, a lot of it was like, you know, I, I, I'm not really a big comedy fan per se, but, you know, I started getting back into comedy. I mean, I loved like Lenny Bruce and all that early stuff because it was like edgy and had this like, you know, listening to the old stuff. I knew what he went through as a comedian, like, you know, being arrested and I read his books and, and I looked at it more as like this, oh, well, that's like spoken word, you know. But, mm -hmm. you know, I guess listening to Joe Rogan and Bill Hicks and people like that, and I'm not putting Rogan in the same realm as Bill Hicks, but, you know, he's a <laughs> successful guy. I started seeing the creativity even in comedy because I was like, oh, it's just a guy telling jokes up there. You know, what kind of, what is that? So anytime that you're, you're filling a, a void, you're, you're creating, and I think that, even even porn is is creative and artistic and i guess the degrees of how successful you are i mean obviously you can film porn with an iphone so you know that's i've seen stuff like that for free online <laughs> you know and it's like yeah okay well that's not very creative and then there's stuff that actually has some thought and intention put into it and that is way more creative and you know higher quality you know and um, I'm sorry I'm rambling about this, but like, no, the, don't uh, be sorry. You know, there was like that big criticism between the 70s and the 80s in porn, where the 70s porn, you know, filmmakers were like, oh, we shoot on 35 millimeter, we got stories, there's actually acting, you know, like, like if you yeah. watch like a Jamie Gillis movie from the 70s, you know, there's characters, you know, there's like, yeah, storyline and narrative, and then there's like hardcore sex scenes. And then in the 80s, it was all about shooting on video and uh you know the storylines got thinner obviously yeah and, uh, so there's there's always been that criticism of quality i guess within porn so it's like i i now i've now i look at everything as like any kind any any kind of situation where you're filling a void with something you're creating and that's creativity and that's art so there you go I don't know, that's my analysis of the whole thing <laughs> well that's a very in-depth and appreciated analysis, Mike Hill. Thank you. So, yeah, um, definitely, man. I appreciate your appreciation on that aspect. <laughs> you know, um, it's funny that you mentioned that. It makes me think of this this porno that I bought for like 80 bucks back in the day when you actually had to buy porn. It was called um, Fashionistas. And it was like this um, latex fetish type of um, film. And it was done so fucking well. Like, it legit had a whole storyline. It was about a fashion company that created latex wear. 
and you know they had characters and the way that they shot the scenes were just so cinematic and the outfits were phenomenal the porn stars were fucking great um this the film score oh my god it had such a killer fucking soundtrack like that entire fucking movie was just art it was so fucking high art and i was like dude that's the kind of shit that i'm trying to make i mean i do solo stuff but you know i'm trying i have like my dslr camera and my lights and little setup studio that i do just for photography so i was like all right well i might as well utilize that for my adult stuff too so that's the kind of stuff that i'm moving towards to be like more professional and cinematic and i've also like i mentioned been studying video editing so i like to make it more creative in that way as well like it really is a hustle you know yeah i mean that's all that that shit's all expensive man that's those are expenses that you know people yeah. just don't understand they think this shit magically appears you know and it's uh oh yeah man like i'm just gonna like you know watch this stuff for free or listen to this stuff for free but they don't understand that there's a whole network of things that go on under underneath this that need to be dealt with and you know no one cares that oh well, i'm gonna listen to this for free well i still need to buy like equipment i still need to like pay for this i still put x x amount of hours into editing this thing you know yep yep that's what takes the longest is the fucking editing yeah and and people don't value time man that's like i mean i've i've done um you know gig work <clears throat> within the audio field you know through throughout my life and mm-hmm. no one no one cares that like mixing a song will take you know 10 hours or something like that between all the editing and sound replacement yeah. and triggers and all this other stuff and uh that's like soft time those are soft expenses that well it's up to you to do that you know they just try right. to like you know squeeze as much value out of the, the hundred dollars they give you to do something you know and it's like right well right. you know when you if you factor in all the hours that i put into this thing i'm making like 75 cents an hour on it you know so even though you might have paid like $2,000 for something, it breaks down to being like 50 cents an hour for me, you know? Yeah, that's fucking brutal, dude. It is, you know? And, and I just wish people would be a little bit more mindful of that. And like the worst part about it, I mean, this is more like, you know, personal shit here, but it's like, you know, someone's like, oh yeah, let's, um, you know, let, I, you know let's, let's work on this thing. And, and then they, they're like, they expect it to be done for free, you know? And uh, that that yeah. flies. That flies to a certain extent with certain people, a certain number of times, and mm-hmm. then it becomes like taking advantage of somebody. You know what I mean? And, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So nowadays, um, yeah, there's a little bit more funds and a little bit more budget to go around with the things I'm doing. And and like whenever I need to employ someone from the outside. I always make sure that I find out like what their what kind of rate they want. You know, hey man, you know this is what we need done. How much money would do you do you want? What would you feel comfortable with? So that there isn't this like, it just makes things it just smooths everything out. You know what I'm trying to say? Like whenever there's yeah, an exchange, yeah. that means I appreciate what you've done. I appreciate your work and your skill, and I want to make sure that you feel comfortable. I mean, hey, you can give me a break. You can give me a discount if you want. But I want to make sure that I'm not taking advantage of you. And I guess like that's like I guess that all plays into this whole thing of, of taking advantage of people and the time that they put in this stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad that you 
actually show people that you fucking value their skill and their time because that that needs to be appreciated. It really does. People do take get taken advantage of, especially in the music the music industry, which fucking sucks because I mean, how many of us have had our lives enhanced because of music, but we're not willing to support it by buying a record? All these years that it took you to perfect your craft, to mix and master, to record, thousands of dollars you got to spend. And it's like, you guys got to just focus on, now you can only make your money through touring and it's fucking bullshit. And I just, I wonder if there's a way we could uh, change that to the way it used to be, you know, before the digital age fucking ruined it. Well, you know, one one of the things you mentioned about the um, the site and the involvement of celebrities and using like ad revenue now as a, a pl- you know a way to monetize everything, that's like almost exactly what happens with these streaming services for music. It's um, yeah, back in you know, there's a, oh, we're 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 renegades, man. We're cutting out the, the major labels, you know. We're we're you know we're we're just offering things ever to everyone, you know, for free. It's like this for the people, you know. We're but the reality of what happened is like, yeah, no one's buying records, really. I mean, they are, but not like they used to in the 80s and the yeah. 90s and the 70s. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, man, we're going to start these like other services, right? But all these other services are basically the same people that were um, involved in exploiting musicians and, you know, people with the major label industry. You know, it's basically the same masters that you're serving. You know, and yeah. now now there there's even there whatever whatever's left financially through streaming is being gobbled up mostly by these overlords that we have that were the same overlords we had who were you know offering these uh <clears throat> you know slave wages with respect to uh, royalties and. It's the same thing, man. It's just the same thing, except that you're getting you're getting exploited even harder, you know. And it's like kind of like what you were talking about with the involvement of these celebrities, where the people that built this whole network, this whole platform, are now being edged out because of. Uh, oh yeah, man. We you know, th- thanks for your work and you know putting it on the line for us, but you know we're we're going to become just like the other people. You know, now now we're going to be just like Facebook who are who are, you know, trying to marginalize what you guys were doing, you know, and it's it just sucks, man. And I I don't know how how to solve any of these things. I wish I had some kind of solution, but it just seems like more and more there's always like a new thing. And then that thing gets ruined by greed and exploitation. You know, would you suggest that fans support uh, people with Bandcamp pages in the meantime? to show their appreciation. I feel like that really is the best way to um to support a band really is that you know buy buy their their but th- this is the other thing too. Like for for the band I play in none of our material is uh was was produced uh independently, you know, like the either, you know, Metal Blade or or Season of Mist or Relapse have um released our our records so when you buy something on Bandcamp, we're we're not really seeing that money per se it's going against our uh you know whatever our our um our royalty rates are with whatever respective label put out that record so for bands that are already involved with labels 
<clears throat> it's not like a one-to-one -one support system. You get, you're still being filtered through the label. Right. For more independent bands, though, like if you want to, and, and this is kind of how I, I kind of hope things go in the future. If you're, a, you know, a creative guy, a band, creative person, woman, um, non-binary, you know, whatever. It's mm -hmm. like <laughs> if you have this entity that you're trying to put out there, I feel like Bandcamp might be the, the best way to go if you because really in the beginning you make a demo. No one really gives a fuck about your, you know, OK, or it's just starting out. But if you can really work it with a platform like Bandcamp where you, you get to keep all the money, you know, maybe you that's the key to success. You know, maybe that's it. You just like make your own music, go out and tour, sell merchandise, and it's all direct, you know, and that might be the way to go really in the future. You might not need a label. Maybe you could hire eventually you, your sales are so that you can hire a PR person to help you get reviews and coverage and the different sites and magazines and all that sort of stuff. You know, I don't know. Isn't, isn't that becoming more common now? Yeah, and that's why I said it. You know, it's like I think I've seen bands become there was oh damn, I forgot this guy's name, but there's some some dude that Jay Bennett told me about that was um his whole thing is on Bandcamp and he's actually really successful and I think that's mm -hmm. pretty awesome. You know, the idea of a yeah. label is is cool, but it, it it's like um we're still not to that point really where you everyone can succeed on their own because there's definitely benefits to being involved with a record label where it's like okay well we have pr we got like a connection to playing the big festivals and you know and doing getting on tours and that that's still like that mentality is still in place where it's like okay well you know if you want to go on tour with these like you know big bands and play these big festivals you have to know someone you know you got to be in with some you know, overarching organization that can help you achieve that and uh you know if you're if you're a band camp band you you don't it's not you're not at that point yet uh, someday i hope eventually someone breaks through and it's like check check it out i did this all on my own man and i'm playing vakin or whatever you know yeah yeah but uh yeah that that's the only downside right now but maybe mm -hmm. down the line that changes and i hope it does you know yeah i mean in the future who knows people are becoming so innovative now somebody's bound to make it work the, um, I hope. So you were saying like photography and art and all that stuff. And I know that you post a lot of that stuff. I've seen some of your artwork online. And um, so like what what's like your your background with that? Like what what got you involved in, in artwork and photography? Uh, well, I've always been an artist. I've been drawing since I was a little kid. So it just it's something that comes naturally to me. But um, I've always been interested in photography and modeling as well. Like I, I had my first camera, I think I got it as a graduation gift and I would just, I don't know, I'd be bored at home and I'd start taking pictures of myself. And so it's just something that I picked up again recently and I got another camera with a better lens and I've been learning um, just how to use it properly and, you know, how to model quote unquote properly and how to um, do Photoshop. I've been learning a lot of Photoshop lately, which has been a lot of fun. Um, it's just 
a really fun creative outlet for me. And it's a lot easier for me anyway to be able to teach myself how to be a photographer and take my own pictures as opposed to like running around trying to find a photographer, which I'd still like to do at some point. I have modeled here and there with some different people and that's always been fun. But I just enjoy the creative process more when I do it myself. And I don't know, maybe that's just not the way most people do it because they're not comfortable with all the technology, but it's just a skill set that I've been developing and that I've personally enjoy. Um, so at some point I hope to, to be published or to work with a, with a big name brand like Killstar or something. Um, that would be the goal. And I'd like to be able to, to just be financially independent is my main goal. So I was also thinking of doing, um, like tutorials on my YouTube channel for, uh, yeah. okay. for like, uh, you know, tips and tricks on Adobe Photoshop and Adobe Premiere, which is the way that I've been learning is by basically looking up a bunch of little YouTube packs. So it's like, well, might as well mo monetize that. And it could be like a source of passive income. So that's, that's my goal. That's my goal is to just be financially independent basically. So that that's all self-taught though. Like, did you, you know, you didn't actually go to school or anything like that, right? That's all DIY, basically. Yeah, yeah. Fucking YouTube, man. YouTube is incredible. Like, it is the age of information. Absolutely. Man, and that's another thing that blows my mind, too, is, like, when I first uh, started using, you know, like, Pro Tools and all this other stuff, there was really no way to learn it unless someone taught you that you knew someone, like, you were working with another engineer, and they were like, all right, this is how you do Pro Tools. Or you took a class somewhere, you know, which, you know, and you might not even really learn, learn it the way you need to learn it if you take a class, you know. But nowadays, yeah. you just go on YouTube and there's every technical detail you need is outlined. There. Yes. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. I, I mean, that, and I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. I'm sorry. Man, I really, I really need to learn how to do some, uh, some video editing. I don't, I don't like, I'm, I'm like uh, one side, that's it. Just audio. Like I've been so focused on making music and that I'd never think of the picture part of things. And it's in these days that really is the full experience is having audio and video together. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so, especially for podcasting. Like I think people really enjoy the visual aspect of it. Like you, of I think people enjoy being able to see their artists and, you know, their facial expressions and their charisma as opposed to just listening to it. Not to knock um, audio by any means at all. Sure. But yeah, yeah. it's definitely something that's more popular nowadays. So I, I would suggest it. It's a lot of fun. I mean, obviously, you've done a lot of editing anyway, so I don't think it'd be much of a challenge for you. Yeah, I mean, I have, um, you know, I got Pro Tools. You know, that's like the main and all the different, you know, like logic and, you know, I, I, mm -hmm. I have a pretty good familiarity with all the composing compositional stuff with music. But uh, so as far as like video editing, you think Premiere is the way to go? Um, it's a pretty good program. I haven't had. Well, sometimes it freezes up. I know there's um, other programs that have been suggested. I forget what they're called, though. But for me, I, I have like a year subscription, so I'm going to stick with it until my subscription runs out. But I mean, at first it was a little bit daunting, but like I said, I just looked up a bunch of tutorials and I've been getting the hang of it. I'd like to be able to get to the point where I create more cinematic, maybe short film type oh, wow. okay. stuff, which I think I had mentioned to you before. Yeah. 
And I, I thought it was really cool. You had said, well, if you need somebody to like play a bad guy, I've always <laughs> wanted to do that. So I was like, yeah, that would be cool. Um, I, I don't know. I thought in the future also I could get into maybe doing like music videos because why not? It would be something that would utilize all of my skill sets. I'd be able to meet artists that I love and it would be another creative outlet. And of course, a source of income also. I, I think 100% you should try to do that because that, that's actually a huge component of what, you know, these days is used to market music. You know what I mean? It's, mm -hmm. I mean, we, we do videos. Um, sometimes they're, you know, full production, but then a lot of them are those like vis visualizer animated videos, which I think are really cool too. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, yeah, I've that, seen some of those too. Yeah, that, that's the way to go, man. Because nowadays, especially, I mean, you know, YouTube obviously is uh, a huge way to, to market stuff, but with things like Gimme TV are starting up where it's almost like, you know, video channels now. So it's starting to, I think it's like a really viable thing these days. What is Gimme TV? I haven't checked ah, that out okay. yet. Okay, see now, I, I used to host a podcast for Gimme Radio or mm -hmm. Gimme, they rebranded as Gimme Metal uh, called Metal Matters. And that, I gave that up a few months ago now I'm just yeah yeah I listened to that movie. all on my own doing my own shows again um so give me they started this new thing called gimme tv which if you are uh subscribing to the, if you have the app and you're a subscriber um you it's an it's another thing on the app and you could just watch like used to watch on mtv just like music videos you know and mm -hmm. whatever they it's like live so whatever they play is what you're watching so you can find it. you can you can't select things it just runs a program and it's like okay i'm gonna watch i want to watch gimme tv there's some check out some some new metal videos and they'll be like you know whatever like an amana marth video or you know tombs or something like that'll pop up on there oh so it's like their own tv channel exactly it's like a tv channel yeah i guess that's oh, cool. uh i probably should have said that first off but yeah it's oh a it's TV all good channel and Every now and then they'll do these uh, shows on there where it's like a live, you know, a live stream will air. Like we, we aired a live stream on there after we did mm -hmm. the pay-per-view the pay part of it. And, uh, you know, and then you promote it. Oh, yeah, I know, live on Gimme TV. We're doing, you know, like you could check out whatever, Clandestine Ritual at 2 o'clock on Friday. And then you watch it in real time as it's happening and you can... You know, sim nowadays everything's about social and, you know, messaging. So, you know, fans can, you know, hey, this is cool or this fucking band sucks. I don't like them anymore or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, so they can have engagement with you guys while you're playing. Yeah, actually, that's yeah, that's the other thing, too. It's like um, that's cool. Like when we did our, our live stream, we jumped on and talked to people about it, you know, like whatever, you know, it's too short, you know, like we, we wanted more material. <laughs> or something like that you know i remember we did we did this thing man and some guy was like that's it you know and i was like well dude you know we only had like two thousand dollars to work with on this and uh this guy was expecting like a hour-long production you know with like multiple camera angles and stuff and i'm like mm -hmm. like well you know you can get two out of the three you can get uh quick fast and good you can't get all three you know what i mean you right, can't get right. so i was like you know, okay, great. We wanted to make it good, you know, and, uh, you know, but that costs money. You know what I mean? So you, you can't get a long piece and still have the quality. And once again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, like there's parameters on these things, you know what I mean? And there's like also, 
value and cost and you know people's time and all that and the person who edited it you know was editing right. professionally and it was just like well you know we had a budget we had to work within the budget so right you know would you rather just have Fucking a ungrateful consumer yeah it's like we, you could, we could have just <laughs> shot like three hours of us in the practice space on like an iphone and would that have made you happy you know i don't know maybe yeah you know with the long breaks between songs like talking about like whatever you know I don't know. Like, I don't know if maybe that's what the guy wanted. Who knows? Yeah. Well, fuck that guy. Yeah. Unless you're an artist, you do not understand and appreciate the artist hustle as you should. I mean, people are just so fucking spoiled. That's probably just some fucking fat, lazy guy sitting on his couch eating potato chips. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> who fucking has nothing going on in his life? Like, so ungrateful. Yeah, but that's fucking I, I, cool, I like, man. To, that's I like cool. to think that. I like to think that that's what that's what it was. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because if that was somebody who was an artist, he he would have appreciated it more, and he would have understood that hey, we have a fucking budget and only so much that we can work with at a time, you know. Yeah. No. Of course. But so yeah, that's, that's cool. I'm gonna that's have to another, check that out. Yeah, it's another outlet. You know that, and I feel like like mm -hmm. just talking about what we were saying is like the video stuff is like big. You know, that's that's how. Yeah. You know. And I think that you should try, you know, you should try to get into that, especially since you've been doing your own editing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. That actually does make me feel a little bit inspired. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So now, um, you know, thanks for being on the show. And so what, how can people find you out there? Like, let's go through all your uh, various uh, ways of people, uh, you know, here's the time for you to give all your plugs is what I'm trying to say. Plugs, plugs. Okay, well, you can find me on Instagram at corpse underscore underscore queen. Uh, you could find me on YouTube under corpse queen. I do um, kind of like metal makeup tutorials and corpse paint tutorials. I'm also going to be doing a series of little documentaries on there on bands that I love. So that'll be fun. And then, um, of course, check out my podcast, Shedding Skin, which is available on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube as a video content um i mean if you if you want to check out my only fans my name on there is woman of dark desires of ov and um yeah i think that's it thank right you on. so much for having me on this was a lot of fun yeah i mean just talking to you about well first of all thanks for having me on your show and also just yeah, talk, sure. talking to you about this stuff with like the similarities between like you know the adult porn uh channels and i i, I you really gave me like a an update on my knowledge because I didn't really understand about a lot of that stuff. And, and it, it is very much similar to uh, what musicians and bands go through, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so, I'm still mind blown that I didn't draw that parallel before, but yeah, thank you for widening my perspective as well. Right on. Well, once again, thanks. And thanks everyone for listening and I'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. Alrighty. Bye-bye guys. Bye.